How is everybody today? Man, isn't it good to have a good God like we do? To, to think about how often we let him down and yet he still loves us and yet he still puts up with us. What, what an amazing God. So, Rex, when he first said, I have to say this because I think we have some people that haven't been here before. Um, I am not the pastor here. I'm the pulpit filler every couple months. Um, so if today's message doesn't really jive with you or my style really isn't your style, um, it's okay. Come, I, all I do is ask one, you'll come back one more time and let Rex, and, and actually hear Rex because uh, Rex is fantastic, but we're a little different. And so um, I don't want my one day of you hearing a message from me keeping you from coming back. So just so you know, you get you, you can have one more shot if you don't like today. Um, but when Rex asked me to preach today, we were in the middle of the adventure series. You guys know that we were talking about stories in the Bible. And he, so we, we were in that when I originally was asked to preach. And so he said, it'll be around time for Moses. I said, okay, that's cool. I know, I know who Moses is. So then later he decided to change it, which is what the Lord does. And we went into the kingdom people series. And so he sent me a message and said, if you want to change and do kingdom people instead of Moses, then I'm, I'm okay with that. And I said, well, let's just, uh, let's just do them both and we'll, we'll work it out together. So I, the only person I think that really matters to is Dan. And I didn't even think about this, but Dan, who does our does our streaming, and those of you that are watching, Dan does a fantastic job, but he came and asked me today, which series are you preaching out of? Are you in the Kingdom People series or the Adventure series? I said, I don't know. How about you flip a coin and choose? Because I, I kind of planned on it somewhat as, of a tradi- tra- as, as a transition. So wherever it ends up, it's going to be in one of them, and it's okay because we're, we all love Jesus, right? So we're going to talk about Moses, and, and one of the things that's important in the transition is that is that kingdom people is, is kingdom people. We have responsibilities, right? We, God didn't save us just to save us; He saved us for a job. And so, one of the things I want us to understand as we get started today is that God has one mission. Sometimes you'll hear preachers or you'll hear, you'll hear teachers say, you have a mission and you have a mission and you have a mission and you have a mission and, and God has a mission for you and God's got a mission for everybody and everybody, everybody open up your mission and everybody's got one. But I believe my, myself personally, and I, it's just the way I see the world, God only really has one mission. And the one mission is to fill heaven. Remember, the whole, this whole thing started because he wanted people that would worship him by choice. Right? That's, that's why man was made in his own image. We can choose to worship God or we can choose not to. He has angels that worship him all the time. But he wanted a group of people that would say, hey, you're pretty cool. I want to worship you. And we would decide that and make that choice. And we've kind of messed it up as the years have went along. But God still has the same desire. And God's mission still is that all of us, all of us that live... So whether you are a Christian right now or you're not a Christian right now, God's desire is that you will accept him and you will be part of that group of us that are surrounding the throne singing praises to him once we get to heaven. So there's really only one mission, at least in my... Other people may say different things, but the way that I see the world, there's only one. And since I live in my world, it's okay for me. So we, we just stay with that in my little world. The sky is purple, the grass is a nice little pink color, and so it works well for us. But 
God has one mission, I believe. One mission is to fill heaven. The job of us as, as people is to accept Jesus so that we can go to heaven and then help other people find Jesus. That's the mission, okay? But within that mission, there are different duties. There are different jobs. And, and each person has a different role to play, you might say. So to, to, to illustrate this, I, I work for a police department, and I use police examples, and I apologize if police examples bug you, but it's what I know. So that's, that's why I use them. So one of, one of our, our groups on the police department is called the SWAT team. All right? The SWAT team are the idiots of the department. Not really. I, they can all beat me up, so I can say that when they're not watching or they're not paying attention. But they're the, they're the ones that, that do the raids, and they, they, go through, they go through the front door with force, and they, they, they train all the time, and they get shot with water balls while they're training, and, and they hurt, and all this kind of... And so there's something about them, but they do a job. But, but each person on the SWAT team, when they're going to do a raid, everybody has a job. And it's a specific job. And they train so that you, so that every person knows what every person is, other person is going to do. Because you, you want to know if you're supposed to take the left side, you want to know that the guy behind you isn't going to take the left side too. You, so it, it's very important that they understand their roles. And so our, on the SWAT team, I want you to think about this. If they decide to do a raid and they drive their big black truck down the road and they hop off the truck with their helmets and their big their big vest and and they go to the they go up to the door there's one person that carries that big thing we call it a ram but what you can call it whatever you want to but it's the thing they take like this and they slam into the door and the door goes flying off the hinges so what i want you to understand is in the in the work of christians if we have a job to do and we choose not to do it we Imagine if that guy carrying the ram gets all the way up the steps to the front door, pulls it back and says, I don't feel like pushing that through the door right now. Hey, hey guys, can, can you go through a window? Because uh, uh, that's kind of a strong door. and I'm, not, not, Nope, nope, not real strong. So I don't think I can get through that door. He doesn't have a choice, right? I mean, his job is to get the door off the hinges so everybody can get in quickly. Or how about the guy that comes in first and he's supposed to kind of clear everything quickly as to clear the doorway because the doorway is the most dangerous place. So he's supposed to clear, clear the door. What if he says, ooh, that's scary in there. And he stands behind the wall and says, I'm not going in there. Somebody else go in there. We, we kind of have a mess, right? And the raid wouldn't go so well. Might be some people getting yelled at. Might be some words being said that Jesus probably wouldn't approve of. And so, they're, they're, but, but it would be bad, right? It, it just wouldn't go well. But you see, what happens is we in the church, we as Christians, and we, we as followers of God sometimes do the exact same thing. God says, hey, I want you to ram the door. And we say, oh, no, that's the big door. <laughs> uh, uh, I'd rather not. Thank you very much. Or, hey, I want you to clear the doorway. Oh, no, that's really scary, and that's where the first bullets come through, so I don't want to be there. How about somebody else do it? I, I'd really rather not do that. That's, that's okay. Hey. Here am I, send Paul, because he's very good at that, right? Don't we do that, though? Because what I believe with all of my heart is that all of us as followers of Christ have a job. We have a duty. Whether it's ramming the door, whether it's shooting the first person that shows up, whether it's covering to the lesser, whatever it is, whatever it is, we all have a responsibility in this thing we call church, right? Everybody agree with that? 
What if we don't do it? I want you to, I want you to tuck that away as we go through. So we're going to talk about Moses. How many of you have ever heard of Moses before? Almost everybody. Good. So Moses is an old guy, but he started out as a young guy. He started out as a baby. And I want us to think about something that's important for us to understand. For us to do God's work, for us to be involved in the ministry, for us, for us to do what God has called us to do. And I'm not talking about the pastors, and I'm not talking about the worship leaders, and I'm not talking about the fill-in pastor. I'm talking about all of us as Christians. Once you accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you're given a job. So what I want you to understand is to do your job well, one of the first things you need to understand is who God is. You've got, to, you've, got to, you've got to have a good grip on who God is and what God does. So let's talk about Moses' life. How does Moses' life start? He's born. I tried to throw you a softball. I thought that would be easy. At least one person should have been able to say, he was born. It's going to be a long day. But that's okay. We'll get through it. You and I together. We're friends. Hopefully we'll be friends when we're done. Right? So Moses' life starts as a baby. He's born and. Something is going on when he is born. He is a Hebrew boy. His mom is a Hebrew. And where are the Hebrew people? Egypt. Good. How did they get to Egypt? They moved there during the famine. Very good. Remember, that that was a test to see how well you pay attention to Rex. Because he preached on Joseph. And Joseph was the brother that went to Egypt and then brought the brothers in. So they've been in Egypt since then. And while they've been in Egypt, they've been having babies. They've been growing. They've been becoming bigger. And so Pharaoh, who is the king, says, whoa, this is a lot of people in that Hebrew nation. We're going to have to do something about this. So what's the best way to keep a population controlled? Kill a few. Good. You got you to gotta kill a few off. So Pharaoh says, hey, let's get rid of the baby boys because the baby boys are the ones that will be the warriors. That'll be. So if we have just a bunch. I'm sorry, women. I didn't write it. It's in there. But if we have a bunch of girls, they're not going to be able to do much to us. We'll be safe. We get rid of the boys. It's just girls, and we can beat the girls. Right? Obviously, they don't know how sports goes because a lot of times the girls do beat the boys. But anyway, I'll just move right along. So, so, Moses, so God said, Pharaoh says, hey, let's get rid of them. Let's just kill them all. So he's killing babies. All the baby boys are being killed. And so Mama Moses, we don't give her a name. We don't get her name. So we're just going to call her Mama. Everybody okay with calling her Mama Moses? Mama Moses has a baby. And what do you do when you have a baby and they're killing the babies? You hide them. Good. So you find a way. So Mama Moses gets together some reeds and she makes this basket. And she puts baby Moses in there, closes it up, sticks it in a river, and it starts floating down the river. Okay, so Mama Moses is done now. She checks out. But somebody else doesn't check out because Moses has a sister. And so Sister Moses says, hey, I'm going to watch that little basket float down the river. So she kind of follows at a distance. You can almost see this in a movie. This is a good movie, right? The the sister's kind of watching. Oh, there's baby. Oh, oh, I hope he gets through that. Oh, oh, I bet he had fun on that ride. So she's watching him go down the river. And as he's going down the river, Pharaoh's daughter, who's Pharaoh? The king, good. The king's daughter decides she wants to get clean for the day, so she goes down to the river. And while she's down at the river getting clean, she sees this basket. And if you see a basket coming down the river and you're trying to get clean, what's the best thing to do? Check the basket, right? So she opens the basket and she says, oh, (laughs) hmm, that's a baby. And who is close by? 
Sister Moses. So Sister Moses says, hey, since you found this baby and it's a Hebrew baby, how about I take the baby to find some, to, back to one of the Hebrew women and let one of the Hebrew women nurse this baby to get it healthy, get it started, because you're not going to be able to help the baby right now. So what if, how about I take it back to, to a Hebrew woman and let them nurse it, and then we'll bring it back to you. And the king's daughter says, great idea. So who does Sister Moses take it back to? Mama Moses. How do you think that happened? Think about all those things that happened in that scenario. And what do our friends in the world and at work and at school, what do they call those things? They call them coincidences. I don't really believe in coincidences. I mean, when you think about all of the pieces, all the moving parts in this story, just so far, that God has used to prepare Moses for what's coming, and not only to prepare Moses, but to put Moses in the position to do what he needs to do. Isn't that cool? So now, baby Moses goes to Mama Moses. Mama Moses gets baby Moses okay not to have to nurse anymore and takes back to Pharaoh's daughter. So what has this Hebrew baby just become? The prince, the grandkid of the king. <laughs> How many of you have grandkids? How many of you have kids? I tell my kids that sometimes the only thing keeping them alive is that I'm hoping for grandkids someday. <laughs> Some of you know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> Some of you are afraid to laugh because your kid's sitting next to you. It's okay, go ahead. It's all good. Because we do love our kids. I, I care about my kids deeply. I love them. But let's, let's be honest. At, at some point, you want to kill them. Your kids, you can't do anything. You can't do anything about it. But your grandkids, what can you do with your grandkids? Hey, good seeing you. So the grandkids get spoiled, don't they? So now we have a Hebrew boy that's the grandchild of the king. And is going to grow up as a grandchild of the king. How'd that happen? God put, it in, God put it in place, didn't he? You see, what you need to understand before we go any further in this message, what you have to understand is that God is always at work in your life. He is always moving things into place. He is all, once you accept him and you agree to follow him, he starts, he starts then, and he, he started before. Because Moses hadn't yet accepted him, right? He hadn't yet been baptized. He hadn't yet said, oh, I want to serve Jesus. He was a baby when God started putting things in place, didn't he? God does the same thing for you. It's exactly the same. He puts people in your life. He puts you in places. He puts you in locations. He puts you with groups. He puts you in churches. He puts you in schools. He puts you in sports. He puts you in all kinds of different places because he wants you to do his work. Never forget that God is orchestrating what's happening in your life because it's important. So, Moses Kills somebody, gets scared because he's afraid they're all going to chase him. 
So he runs to this place called Midian, and while he's in Midian, he meets a girl that he kind of likes. Her name is Zipporah. He marries her. I I don't make these names up, I can tell you, because I, I wouldn't come up with Zipporah. I could have tried a lot of names, but Zipporah's not coming up. But marries a, a lady named Zipporah. Her dad is Jethro, and Jethro will show up off and on again in Moses' life because he's He's Moses' father-in-law, and he's kind of the one that helps Moses understand some of the Hebrew things he missed out on. So he's tending his flock. He's a shepherd. And so Moses one day is sitting with the sheep, just hanging out, and all of a sudden he sees this bush on fire. Now, what do you know about a bush that's on fire? It's probably going to happen to it. It's probably going to be gone at some point, right? We're probably, it's probably going to be bye-bye bush. Moses is watching this bush while he's tending the sheep. And he's like, huh, that bush is still burning. And he plays a few more games of free cell on his computer. He sends a few more text messages. He logs on and checks his email. And he looks back and the bush is still burning. Yeah, huh, that's pretty impressive. I'm going to go see what's going on. So he starts to walk over to the bush. And as he gets close to the bush, God says, whoa, hold on. Moses, don't come any closer. As a matter of fact, Moses, take your shoes off. Because the place where you're standing is holy. What made it holy? God was there, right? The presence of the Lord was in the bush, which made it holy. And Remember that in the Old Testament, they weren't really allowed to talk to God the way we talk to him. The, the, the curtain was torn at the crucifixion, and which opened up our ability to talk to God, to, have, to be with God the way that we understand him. The Hebrews didn't understand it. In the Old Testament, that wasn't the case. That didn't come until Jesus came, died, and made a whole new way for us to do things. So he's told, take your shoes off. The place where you're standing is holy ground. And then God gives him this dissertation. Now, remember that the disciple, remember that the Hebrews had been brought to Egypt. They've been slaves and life is getting miserable. Nobody really wants to be a slave, right? So they're kind of miserable and they're crying out to God saying, oh, we don't want to be slaves anymore. Oh, we don't want to be slaves anymore. Oh, this is so miserable. Oh, and God hears them whining and complaining, which they become good at. If you study the Israelites, they're very good at whining and complaining. They do it all their life. So they're kind of like us, but that's okay. So Moses is standing in front of the bush and God says, Moses, I've heard my people crying. I've heard their life is miserable. I've heard that they're upset. I've heard that they don't like being slaves anymore. And I've seen what they're going through, and I'm about to put an end to it. I'm going to stop it. The good news is, Moses, I'm going to use you to make it happen. I'm going to send you. And then God says this in verse 10 of chapter 3. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. Now, it's a new Pharaoh by now, but I'm sending you to Pharaoh you must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. That doesn't sound like a request, does it? Does God say, hey, Moses, I've been thinking. You're a pretty cool guy. People like you. I was wondering if 
you would want to go talk to, talk to the king and see if he's going to let our people go. That's, that's, not what, that's not what God says, is it? He says, hey, go. Now, go. Because I'm sending you to talk to Pharaoh, and you are going to lead my people out of Egypt. And Moses says, woohoo! I've been waiting on a job like this all my life. This is what I've wanted to do. I've, God, you don't know, since I was like three years old, I've said, I hope I get to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. And no, that's really not what happened, in case you're wondering. Spoiler alert. Moses takes a different approach. His approach might seem like ours. He starts making excuses. And the first one that he says is, God, I'm not special enough to go. Now, understand that I've taken some liberties in taking what Moses said, and I've tried to make help, it, help us understand kind of what Moses is saying. So those of you that are, that are going to look at this and say, well, that's not what God, that's not what Moses said. It's my, it's my literal freedom with the text. Moses says this, who am I to appear in front of Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people out of the land of Egypt? God, I'm nobody. Why, why would you pick me? Why, why would you choose me? I mean, I, I, I live in a little town in northwest Ohio, and eh, there's really not much going on around here. We've got corona just like everybody else does, but it's, there's not really much else other than that going on. It's a pretty small town. It's a pretty, pretty remote area. I, I'm not special enough. Why, who am I? What, why would you look and pick me? Maybe some of you have asked yourself that question. Or maybe some of you have felt that way. Maybe you feel like you're not special. Maybe you feel like you don't matter. Maybe you feel like everybody else is important except you. Since I've been in the position that I'm in with, with the department I work for, we've had, two within, we've had two police suicides within our department, and there have been five in the, in the metropolitan area just in six years. That, and that's just policemen. That's not the people that aren't policemen that I don't know about. That's not the people that are overdosing on drugs. And dying because they're overdosing on drugs. And it's not the people that have gotten hooked on drugs because they didn't feel special and somebody offered them a drug and said, here, if you'll take this and hang out with me and take these drugs with me, we'll be friends. And they become friends and they become addicted to drugs. And then that's all they know. And the entire time, the church is sitting and looking and saying, whoa, there's a problem with drugs. Yes, there's a problem with drugs. And one of the biggest reasons there's a problem with drugs is because the church isn't making people feel special. And the people that are giving them the drugs are. Everybody wants to feel special. Everybody wants to feel like they're loved. Everybody wants to feel like they're cared for. And if we as the church, if we as God's people will not do that, somebody else will. But maybe it's you 
that doesn't feel special. Maybe you're the one that feels like you don't matter. Maybe you're the one that feels like there's just really no use. Who am I? Nobody, I could be, I could be gone tomorrow and no one would really care. Listen, listen, Jesus loves you enough that he died for you. And there is no one in the world that's insignificant. The Bible tells us that God is not willing that any should perish. That means that God wants everybody to find salvation. Rex talked about it last week. Birds don't even fall on the ground without him knowing. You are special. And if you're not special to anyone besides God, you are special to God. And because you're special to God, we as a church should make you feel special. That's our role. That's our job. That's why God has us here. Not so we can look nice, wear some new clothes, listen to some guy talk for a while, sing a few songs. We're here to love people. Remember, what's our motto? Love God, love people. It's really all it's about. His second excuse is, I'm not popular enough. I don't know anybody. I'm, I'm the dork that nobody wants to sit with at school. I'm the one that sits by myself at lunch because no one likes me. I'm the one that, I'm the one that won't get any, nobody. I'm the one that nobody picks when we're picking teams for sports. I'm the one that when I start singing, they tell me to leave. I'm the one that, whatever. I, I'm, not, I'm not popular enough. I, I don't really, I, I, nobody really likes me. Moses says it this way. If I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent you, they'll ask me, well, what's his name? Because if he sent you, obviously you know who he is, right? Because you're going to have some relationship with somebody that sends you somewhere. You're not going to show up and say, hey, Brian sent me to tell you this. If you don't know Brian, because how are you going to know Brian sent you if you don't know Brian? Moses says, how, what am I going to tell him? And God says, you just tell him I am. Tell him I am sent you. Anybody remember when Jesus said, before Abraham was... I am. You see what God says when he says I am, that his name is I am. That means he's constant, continuous, forever. He's always been. He always is. He, I am. He's not I was. He's not I will be. He's not I currently do. He is I am. Completely. And see, what you need to understand as a follower of Jesus is if Jesus sends you to somebody and you need some sort of support, you need some sort of backing, you need, you need somebody to show up as your backup crew, Jesus says, I am and I will be there. Just tell them, you know, I am. Anybody in here play sports? If God was in the line of people you were choosing on the playground to play basketball, where would God be chosen? First, good. I mean, if God's going to play basketball, who, who's going to beat God in basketball, right? Yeah, nobody. So I'm going to put him on my team. So he's going to be chosen first. God says, Moses, you tell him that God sent you. God is on your team. <laughs> okay. All right, I don't need anything else, right? I mean, that should, shouldn't that answer it for us? 
Some of you all say, oh, okay, I need another else. Thanks. Appreciate it. No, because then Moses says, but I'm not smart enough. <laughs> Ooh, this might, this, uh, this, you might want to protect your toes. I don't know, because I'm not saying it. Moses is saying it. But he says, what if they won't believe me? What if, what if they say, the Lord never appeared to you? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? What if they don't believe me? How many of us have struggled with it? How many of you have known? you got to be honest. How many of you have known God's put somebody in your life that he wants you to share Jesus with and you've avoided sharing him because you're afraid you won't have the right answer? hear it all the time. Well, what if they ask me a question on the answer to? <laughs> then you don't know the answer to the question. Who does? Who does know the answer? <laughs> the guy that's sending you, right? If God is going to send you and there's a question that needs to be answered and it has to be answered, who's going to be able to answer it for you? God. Doesn't scripture tell us in the New Testament? Don't worry about what you're going to say because the Holy Spirit will provide the words for you when you need them. It's not about my brain. Thank the Lord. It's not about my brain. It's about my God. It's about who he is. It's about what he can do. It's about what he wants done. So have we given up yet? Are we ready, for, are we, uh, are we ready to just go do what God tells us? You would think Moses has gotten the message by now, right? Nope. I'm not talented enough. Now this is one of my favorite because this is very early in the Bible. And it shows very early in the Bible that God has a sense of humor and a little bit of sarcasm. Because Moses says, God, I'm not very good with words. And as I start to talk sometimes, I get my words tangled up and I, can't really, I, can't, I, really, can't, I can't, can't, really can't say what I'm supposed to say. And so it's, really a bad, it's probably a bad idea that I try and be the one to, to talk to that guy named Pharaoh. God, I stutter. I'm, I stuttereth in the King James Version maybe. And you know what God's answer is? I love it because I'm pretty sure it would have been mine. Hey, Moses. Who made your tongue? Hey, who is the maker of tongues? Because I'm pretty sure, Moses, if I made your tongue, and I made you a tongue that stutters, if I want you to talk without stuttering, I probably can make that happen. Just saying. Who made your tongue, Moses? Oh, yeah, I did. Because if there's something that God wants us to do, God will do it for us. He'll just use us. We're his tool. Moses went through, I mean, how many of you are parents in here? I asked about grandparents earlier, but how many of you are parents in here? Have your kid, has your kid driven you nuts with this one yet? I mean, I mean, we've been through four. You ever ask your kids to do something and they're like, well, I can't do this. Well, I, it, in the Hollingsworth Senior House, that was not acceptable. You just kind of said, yes, thank you. Uh, okay, I'm going right now. And if I didn't say I was going right now, there were methods to motivate. But God has sent Moses and Moses has said, nope, I don't want to. 
Nope, I don't want to. Nope, I can't because of this. I can't because of that. But then we get to the real answer. We get to the real answer, and that is Moses finally says, just send somebody else. I don't want to. You got to understand that's where we are. Your marriage is in trouble. And you have all kinds of excuses why. She's not kind enough. She's too crabby. He's too grumpy. He doesn't work hard enough. He excuse, excuse, excuse. The truth is. You don't want to put the effort into the work. You're struggling in a relationship at work and are having a hard time. And it's because your boss is stupid or your subordinates are stupid. One of the two. Or maybe they're both stupid and you're the only one that has a brain. I don't know. That might be true. The truth is, rather than working and showing God's strength, you say... I don't want to. You see what I know about us as people. What I know about us as followers of Christ is that there really is no good excuse because every excuse that Moses gave, God had an answer for. There wasn't one thing where Moses could say, I really shouldn't have to do this because I can't. The real truth was, he didn't want to. And the real truth about us as Christians is oftentimes, we don't want to. It's not really about whether I'll have the right answer or not. It's not really about whether I'm, I, I know enough. It's not really about whether I can talk or I can't talk. It's not really about how special I am. It's not really about who sent me. None of that stuff really matters. What really matters is if God wants you to do something, you've got to want to do it. And if you choose not to, you are just like that person carrying the ram on the SWAT team. And you're stopping short of the door. And you're leaving the rest of us hanging out to dry. When you choose not to be obedient in what God asks you to do, you are not helping us as a group of Christians change the world. Our world is a mess right now. There's all, I mean, there are things going on that none of us ever dreamed we would be facing. It, it, most, of, most of the things never would have even entered our mind. And I say it this way, I'm not smart enough to think things could go that bad. And we sit back and we say, whoa, the world's going bad. Whoa, things are getting crazy. Whoa, things are this. And God says, I, I've sent the church. <laughs> I've given the church the answers. I've given the church the strength. I've given the church the message. I've given them everything that they need. The problem is the church doesn't want to. 
or we don't want to as individuals. We're okay with being okay. And that brings us to this one last point that I want you to understand. God does not quit. This is just the beginning of Moses' life. The rest of his life is unbelievably frustrating, exciting, enjoyable, angering, all kinds of things. It's this huge, long drama, and it's, it's very fun. But through the whole thing, the entire message is that God does not quit. God does not give up. God does not stop. God's mission will be accomplished with or without you. God does not need us. There's all kinds of ways he can do whatever he wants to do. He's God. But what he has done is he said to us, I want you guys to have the joy of watching people come to know me. I want you to be able to experience life with me. We're the ones that are going to be around the throne singing praises to God. We're the ones that are going to see Jesus face to face. We're the ones that are going to walk on the streets of gold. We're the ones that are going to swim in the crystal sea. We're the ones that are going to worship and we're going to worship and we're going to worship and we're going to fall at the feet of God and it's going to be us. And how many people do we want to be there with us? God says, I got a job for you. I need you to do it. I need you to trust me. Moses, I need you to stop making excuses and just go do what I've told you to do. As the worship team comes forward, I want you to start right now. I want you to start right now, right here, where you sit. And I'm going to ask you to be gut level honest with yourself. I'm going to ask you to forget that there's anybody sitting beside you. I'm going to ask you to forget that there's even anybody else in the room today. And I want you to have an honest conversation with God and with yourself. And I want you to think about what God has asked you to do in the, in the job within our mission that God has given to you. And I want you to ask yourself if you're doing it or if you're making excuses. And if you're making excuses, I want you to stop making excuses and admit to God you really just don't want to. Because then God can start to work. Because as long as we're not being honest with God, it's difficult for him to work in our life. As long as I'm making excuses and blaming other people and blaming other things and all of that, it's very difficult for God to get inside of our heart. But once Moses said, God, just send somebody else because I don't want to, God said, now we're talking because now you're being honest with me. And he got mad at him. And he said, now.
go. And Moses did. See, I don't know where you're at in your life today. I, I, I don't know your relationship with the Lord. I, I don't know how important he is to you. and I don't know how, how, how on fire you are to do what God has asked you to do. I, I, you might not even be clear on what God has asked you to do. But he's asked you to do something. He's given you a job. Do you have the courage to actually be honest with God and say, I I don't want to. I don't want to do that. And let God then take over. This is your time. This is when God wants to come and and meet with you. And this is when God wants to talk to you. And this is when God wants to say, hey, there's some things I want to talk to you about. And there's a message I have for you. And, And I really want you to hear it. I don't know what it is. But I can tell you this. The devil has tried in every way he can this morning to stand in the way of the message I was going to preach. Somebody needs to hear it. And somebody needs to act on it. Maybe more than one somebody. But God's come to meet with you today. Will you be honest with him? Will you let him? Or are you still going to go through some excuses? The choice is yours. Let's pray. God, you're so good to us and you're so wonderful and so powerful and so faithful even when we're not. Lord, come into our hearts today. Lead us. Take over us. Set our selfishness aside. Please work through our excuses just like you did with Moses. Get a hold of us and let's make a difference. Let's make a change.